Hey everyone, this is Jared of the Synautical Podcast. If you're into holistic health, philosophy, and spirituality, come check out and listen to my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and elsewhere. Today we have returning guests, Elise and Dan of Momentum, Strength, and Wellness. Their company is based out of Los Angeles, California, but you can benefit from their holistic exercise and nutrition services from virtually anywhere through their online platforms, MomentumStrengthWellness.com and at MomentumStrengthWellness on Instagram. These links are also posted in the podcast description. Today we will be discussing a few misconceptions and concerns about nutrition and exercise and sharing Momentum Strength Wellness's latest services. We will also cover the controversial story about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Teddy Mellencamp's nutrition program. So welcome back, Elise and Dan. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here again. Thank you. It's always good to have you back on here because your holistic approach to nutrition and fitness and your focus on lifelong nutrition and fitness. Yeah, it's all about the longevity. (laughs) So today we're going to start out with uh, exercise. And one of the big misconceptions that many people have involves the scale. What exactly should people pay attention to with the scale? Okay. Yeah, that's it. Like the scale is a really, really interesting tool, I guess you'd call it. Like it does, you know, if your weight goes up, if your weight goes down, like it's a great way to measure until you kind of step back and look at the big picture because, you know, what exactly is that number? Who's to say what, how much you're supposed to weigh? People are just different. Bone structure is going to be different. Body mass is different and it's going to change as you're training. So I, I deal with a lot of people you know, as like training clients who can almost like kind of obsess over the number on the scale because at first you're going to maybe lose a bunch of weight, but as you're changing the way you eat, as you're changing the way you train, you might end up gaining some weight. You're going to, if you gain muscle, like your, your body composition can change completely, but maybe you only lost five pounds and you wanted to lose 15 pounds, but you completely change your body and your health and you feel amazing and you look amazing, but you still feel like a failure because that, that number didn't go down to Mm -hmm. some arbitrary number you had picked or somebody had told you was important. So I guess that's a long winded way of saying my, my answer with the scale is that it's kind of an arbitrary number. And I think that there's better ways of gauging success than a number you know, that somebody thinks, so if you have in your, in your mind that like, I'll be healthy at 105 pounds, that number is just kind of pulled out of thin air. Even if you used to be 105 pounds and were really healthy, 10 mm-hmm. years later, you could be 115 pounds and be significantly healthier and leaner and just more capable as a human. So okay, yeah, I think it's an arbitrary number for the most part. All right. So how about BMI? Unfortunately, the military still uses BMI. So what if someone comes from like the, the military and says, well, when I was in the military, I had to stay within the BMI guidelines. Yeah, I would say, yeah, unfortunately is a good way of putting it. I think the BMI is probably even more of an arbitrary number than what you see on the scale, because at least the scale is a little bit more personal. I think BMI gets gets kind of ridiculous. And just like I was saying, like with with muscle mass. Like, so I, 
So personally, I guess I'm, I'm about six foot one, you know, somewhere between 190 and 200 pounds. My BMI, I think would be obese. Yeah. And I probably walk around at about 7% body fat. So yeah. Yeah. It's really, really just a ridiculous number, to be honest. Yeah, I'm always obese with a BMI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. It's like, geez, how much body fat? Would, and there's like hardly any body fat to lose. So it's, yeah. it's just, it, it can cause people to actually be unhealthy trying to yeah, do exactly. it. Yeah, really exactly. When you're chasing a number that doesn't really mean anything besides a number, you can run into some serious issues. So. I think with whatever you're using to measure success can just be like question, question that as well. Because once you get too caught up on, on the test and the measurement and not on what it represents, you're going to run into some serious issues. Okay. And Elise, as far as the scale goes, doesn't what you eat and how much water you drink also kind of factor in to that number? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's definitely, yeah. Water weight is a thing for sure. And any type of, you know, food, however many, you know, calories that you're eating the days before and stuff, you know, it's going to move the, move the scale up and down. Also too, like hormones play a big factor in the scale going up, weight gain and things. So it's very, it's really hard to, to train, you know, clients, especially both, you know, for exercise and nutrition to get them shifted off the mindset of needing to have a specific number on the scale because it can be very detrimental to to your health when you've just been programmed by society and thinking that thin is is healthy and you know the smaller the number on the scale the better it's really we're we're trying to teach people that it's it's not it's the complete opposite we want you to feel healthy okay so what is the ultimate final word on the scale for, from both of you? If you're going to take anything from us, we would say, I mean, Dan's guesstimating on his number too with, with weight. I don't think either, either of scale. us have, have used a scale in, in four or five years. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not our method of coaching. I think too, like, you know, we're, we're coming off of very unhealthy habits and we used to, I used to weigh myself a lot when I was younger thinking that like, I would be accepted if I was, you know, at this amount of weight, mind you, I wasn't telling anyone the weight that I was looking at on the scale. That was just my internal, you know, ego self talking. So we want to empower people to understand, you know, there's better ways to track your, your progress and and your health. The number on the scale is, is irrelevant sometimes. Okay. So now we're going to move on to training cycles. So Uh, for example, with some professional sports or even junior sports, I'd say like football, there's different training cycles for building agility, conditioning, and building muscle. And they have the macro cycle, meso cycle, micro cycle, so forth. And then for like voluntary adult sports is what I'd call it, such as, um, you know, like fitness competitions, that doesn't really count as a sport, mm-hmm. but uh, they also follow cycles like fat loss, muscle gain, maintenance, so forth. Uh, do any of the momentum, strength, and wellness programs incorporate any of those things? And if not, why not? And do you find them to be useful for your average client? 
Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. It's um, there's sort of a lot there. As far as what we do um, with momentum, strength, and wellness, we're not really focused on like sports performance specifically. You know, we're not you know strength and conditioning coaches. So if you are, if you're competing in sport, then you should I think find somebody who deals specifically in that. Um, what we're doing is sort of general physical preparedness. And just training for, you know, life in general um, and like overall health, longevity. Um, that said, we do also kind of cycle, go through some cycles. And I think that everybody should be training in that way. It doesn't yeah. need to be really strict. And we're always going to, there's always going to be mobility. There's always going to be strength. There's always going to be endurance. It's always going to, we're always going to like sort of hit the basics of squat, push, pull, rotate. Mm -hmm something but then with some of the programs and we actually have um some programs coming out the first one will be out should be you know the first week in june probably june 1st we'll have our first sort of general physical preparedness program out and then we're going to have a bunch more coming and those will be sort of adjusted slightly so that you can go from one to another and kind of change it up where it will be a little bit more strength based a little bit more endurance based like with each program, because I don't think you should be doing the same program kind of over and over, you know, for the whole year or four years, you're not going to get the same results. But I think when you can kind of shift slightly and like I said, like focus on strength building for, you know, four to six weeks, and then you can, you know, focus more on like, endurance is a good example. As long as you're able to still keep that strength and like stay in shape, I think this just sort of branching off in different directions is the best way to do it. So that's the way I, I personally train. That's the way at least trains. That's the way I train most of my clients. And sometimes it's intuitive. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, I feel like I, I need to get a little stronger and I'll just be three weeks of lifting heavy and then okay. getting back into something more balanced. Sure. So, um, so okay. do you have um, cycles for like, for example, do you build in resting periods, like a re week of rest yeah, yeah. or a week yeah. of stretching or something like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I do, I like to do like, if we're doing like maybe like a 12 week program, there'll be one or two deload weeks in there where you're still lifting, but it's probably you're leaning a little bit towards like simple movements, lighter weight and more mobility. Because I think it's just really easy to burn out. If you're always going as hard as you can, that's just, as yeah. hard as you can push is going to be less and less and less over time. You need to pull back, you know, focus on your recovery. Yeah. So it's um, these cycles that you use for yourselves and for your clients are to prevent burnout and also to help uh, your clients and yourself actually have energy for each cycle. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, a, that's a great way to put it. Would you be okay with an intense training regime for like four weeks out of the year or something like that and then cycle off into something else um yeah i think that's sort of the idea and you could most people could probably do more but i think like four weeks at a time really pushing it is great and then you can yeah pull back have a either a deload week and then a couple other hard weeks or have like another four weeks of lighter training and then you can pick it up again and i think a lot of it does kind of become intuitive yeah you, you can yeah. tell if if you're working really hard and just not getting the results, you're probably probably overdoing it and you can get better results by doing less. Okay, that sounds good. 
So we're going to move on to the nutrition portion. We're going to talk about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Teddy Mellencamp's, uh, the controversy that she is possibly prescribing really low calorie daily food intakes for her clients. Mm-hmm. Now, Elise, were you able to review the information on Mellencamp's program? I did. Yes. Um, the video was, yeah, it was, it was interesting. And, and to be honest, I used to watch the housewives. So I'm very familiar with it. I, I've stopped. It's been years since I've watched them at least two or three years, but I'm, I'm aware of her and, and sort of her, her, you know, accountability company, however program. you call it. <laughs> program, yes. <laughs> now I don't want to get too off uh, course here, but kind of looks like she has too much of a well-developed body to be eating low calories. So that was a sh- shocking part for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's weird. I mean, you know, you're, you see on the show that she used to be a little bit, you know, overweight and she certainly has turned her life around and tried to be as healthy as she can. Yes. And that, you know, that worked for her, whatever she did work for her, but I always say, you know, every, everybody's different. Everybody needs tailored help and tailored nutrition advice, diet advice. I don't specifically know, you know, her exact company guidelines and stuff, but you know, what worked for her, if it is that, you know, if she did only eat, you know, 500 calories a day, it's not necessarily going to work for everyone. And I would really hope that she, she understands that and trains the people who are training others that because that that's my biggest concern you know we we totally take a really different approach and customize everybody's training to fit their unique lifestyle and and goals okay so we're going to get into momentum strength and wellness's approach to nutrition but um one of the main aspects with bringing up this story is people following celebrities Hmm. for advice right right so is there anything specifically you could say on that versus uh, going to say someone who is certified such as yourself? Sure. And yeah, I think it's unfortunate because, you know, our holistic approach, holistically, we really just like what we mean by that too, is just like getting back to our roots, understanding that like humans have evolved and been on this planet for millions of years. So we've kind of like lost our way as a culture. So where Dan and I come in specifically, you know, food and health and like mindset and just, you know, overall wellness is to get people really thinking more intuitively about their body, about their needs, about the planet and things like that, you know, Unfortunately, no one thinks for themselves anymore. We're we're kind of all on autopilot, programmed and then reprogrammed again by these celebrities, by these marketing tactics, by the big companies that are taking over, just bombarding us with controversial information most of the time that's not right. And we're just relying on, like you said, someone else's quote unquote expertise that's really not certified to give the advice that they're giving. Just because somebody's on TV doesn't make them an expert. And I think Mm -hmm. unfortunately, we're, I don't know if it's programmed to believe that, but if, and that's what you see happening. And even if they're a doctor, 
just because they're the That's doctor that on TV doesn't mean that they're the expert. Yeah, and they could be a doctor in a different field and not yeah, the right. they're on TV for. Most doctors, I think, get like 20 hours of nutrition training. Yeah, there's seven fan. years of medical school. And then after that, most of the information they're getting is from like pharma sales reps. Yeah, wow. I definitely, I remember years ago when I first worked as a personal trainer, we had nurses in there all the time and some mm -hmm. doctors and they were, you know, had some issues controlling their weight and so on and so forth. So we were surprised that they had really no clue on what to do. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's scary. It's scary. I would say that's, that's one of our biggest tackles that we work with clients. Well, my doctor said, no, don't eat this, don't eat that. And of course, like, we don't think that doctors are bad by any means. We just think that, you know, they've been misinformed yeah. and, and just haven't been taught. Yeah, they're, they're working yeah. on information that was, that was wrong when it was put in the textbook 60 years ago. So, yeah, it's tough. And think about, you know, the celebrities do work with doctors and stuff. So they're taking their advice. So yeah, it's just kind of like a never ending cycle of misinformation. Yeah. So like with the uh, Teddy Mellencamp case, mm -hmm. um, do you think that she might be seeking an angle into the fitness community? Because unfortunately, working with other um, fitness uh, business owners over the years, um, admit to coming up with their own angle that they don't actually follow because again teddy she has a really solid build it doesn't seem that someone eating 500 calories a day could support um, totally. lean body mass you know what i mean absolutely so, yeah and i think they're definitely like i don't want to speak too much of it too much to it because it's out of context i don't know yeah yeah the whole program i've just kind of seen seen some headlines and clips about it. Um, but yeah, so like, like maybe she did at some point have to go, have to cut calories really low to kind of find a baseline, to find what she, what she needed, but maybe mm -hmm. it's been a while. I don't know. I don't know much about her to be honest, but um, I, I agree. She doesn't look like somebody who doesn't eat, but yeah. maybe at some point she needed to cut calories and then once she lost the weight she doesn't eat that way anymore i don't know yeah yeah and that's an important point we don't know the specifics we just know the news that was given to us on right. story so okay. the main focus is restrictive diets um yeah. so uh real briefly what can people do to lose weight and um do it in a way that they can maintain a healthful way to eating way of eating for the long run that doesn't include too much restriction sure yeah restriction is a really really interesting word to right because there is a negative connotation around yeah. eating and things like that it's almost like it has the connotation that you're punishing yourself, right? And we don't want that at all. We want, we, we give people food freedom, right? <laughs> That's what we're all about with Momentum Strength and Wellness. And what I teach very much is 
really taking a deep look at what you're eating and restructuring it. So not restricting people from eating the foods that they like. However, if you're addicted to sugar and you only eat pizza and macaroni and cookies and cakes, then yes, the restrictions are going to come in the form of those are all, all processed foods. That's nothing that's natural and from the planet like we were talking about. So it's going to be restrictive in that sense. We talked about this last time too. Did Dan and I eat pizza and ice cream? Of course, every once in a while. It's kind of in a moderation that you're going to still be able to lose weight and maintain that healthy lifestyle. I will say though, when I begin working with people who do want to lose weight or have like a lot of mindset shifts that they need to make around food and health and wellness, there's a bit of restrictions because we do want to also teach people that even breakfast, lunch, and dinner, those terms are marketing terms. Snacks are marketing terms. They were just developed a couple hundred years ago. Again, shifting it back to like our ancestors and their ancestors hundreds and hundreds of years ago. They didn't know what breakfast, lunch, and dinner was. They were just like eating meals. And again, yeah. coming from the earth, they were eating buffalo and antelope and apples and oranges and carrots. That's whole real nutrient-dense foods that I shift people like trying to trying to get them to picture, picture that. If it wasn't made by nature, it was man-made. And yeah. how need. So that's really what I'm trying to like teach people and get their shift in, in mindset to look at. Okay. So to focus on natural foods from natural sources that yeah. haven't been uh, processed. Yeah. Or modified. Exactly. That, that makes a huge difference when you, when you're talking about like restrictive, if you're restricting yeah. calories, restricting the amount of meals you're eating, if you're eating good quality, nutrient dense, whole foods, you're going to be satiated. You're going to feel good. You're going to have energy and you're not going to need to eat, you know, an hour later, 20 minutes later, whatever it is. When you're eating a lot of highly processed and genetically modified foods, those foods are devoid of nutrients. So they might taste amazing. You're going to eat them. Your body's going to you know, trigger all these like hormone reactions and, oh, good. We're getting nutrients. We're getting nutrients. And then when the nutrients don't come, your body's like, what's going on here? And it triggers that hunger response. Like, no, no, go back to what you were doing. Let's find, find those nutrients. So you enter into this sort of like roller coaster of eat food, then you're hungry, eat food, then you're hungry and you're hungry and you keep needing to eat more and more. When you're eating, you know, high quality nutrient dense foods, like we said, your body's getting the nutrients it needs so that it doesn't need to keep craving more and more. Okay. Now the final topic would be nutrient timing. So do you incorporate nutrient timing? Meaning are there certain foods that you think are most, are used most uh, efficiently at certain times a day than others? Like certain foods you'd eat before a workout and after a workout, certain foods that you wouldn't eat before bed, for example. Yes, absolutely. I really, well, we both believe for sure um, that nutrient timing is so important and being able to intermittently fast is really important. Again, that's kind of what other people too call time-restricted eating. 
Now, again, that has like a bad kind of connotation to it because of that quote unquote restricted, but it is so beneficial and so ingrained in how we were brought up and how, like I said, our ancestors lived that we really tried to work with people on the timing of things. Carbs. Carbs can be great really, really close to your workout. So whether that be before or immediately after, but you don't want to continuously eating carbs all day because what's in carbs? Sugar. And sugar is going to spike your blood sugar, especially at night, especially at night with dinner. Dan and I stopped eating carbs with dinner probably like three or four years ago. And it just helps your sleep cycle so much more because sugar and carbs, like I just said, is going to spike your blood sugar, it's going to give you that energy and it's going to disrupt your sleep. The quality of sleep is going to be bad. Then your REM cycle is going to be all off. Your circadian rhythms all off. So it does. Timing is, is certainly everything with that. Yeah. And I'm so happy to hear you say that um, about the carbs specifically, because some mm-hmm. people are totally unaware of that. Yes, it, it really is. Yeah. And carbs are not the enemy, of course. Yeah. And, and think about it. Like there's carbs and everything. Vegetables, are carbs. Fruit yeah. is carbs. <laughs> it's not just bread. Um, you know, meat and fats are, those are what is going to keep you satiated. And, you know, fat's been demonized, unfortunately. Yeah. People are really scared to eat it. And it's not. Like when you're getting fat from like an avocado or a grass fed, grass finished piece of steak, that's amazing. But fat from a cupcake and frosting, of course, that's detrimental to your health. Okay, so I would definitely love to speak more in the future about the different types, the different ranks of carbs, different ranks of fat, and um, different ranks of protein as well. Um, Not to just have like a ranking system, but different types, because that's another thing. Like you said, you brought up the vegetables and carbs, Mm -hmm. and you brought up bread. So one Mm -hmm. is processed, one isn't. And so um, it's really important for people to understand the differences between those. And I'd also love to speak more in the future about different ways of me- measuring success with exercise. Mm, so yeah. If yeah. you'd like to come on again and get into more detail about that, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. We'd love yeah. to. We could love talk all, all day about this stuff. And it's, it, it is really important because like you said, like, like the Teddy Mellencamp think in the, in the news, you know, maybe she is doing things right. And we're just not sure, but like, we just, we hate that like people are, you know, glorifying something that can be really harmful and detrimental to your health and well being because we've, we've done it. We've been through these cycles and, you know, this is why we started the company. We, we talked about this last time. We want to give people, you know, food freedom, exercise freedom, empower them to make, you know, decisions and not only just do something because a celebrity did it and they're on TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or blindly following someone because exactly. of their status. Yeah. Exactly. It worked for her. That's wonderful. It, it may not work for you to keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, there are many, uh, many celebrities and other cases in which people are just trying to get into the market and they yes. don't even follow what they're teaching. No. None of those yeah. people will ever be interviewed on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All the people, trust you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. so uh next time we're going to get together to speak about your seven daily habits yes that's that's great and we're going to have seven podcasts for each habit 
and that way we can get, get into detail. It's one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that way um, we could get into greater detail and uh, the audience will know how to reach you and how to start working with you on those habits. Perfect. So before we go, is there anything new uh, with your company, any new promotions or services that you'd like to share? We do. We've got a bunch of, of new stuff coming up. We've been hitting the ground running, just knowing that people need all the health and wellness that they can get right now. So Dan alluded to a, a new program that's coming out. That's going to be launched on June 1st. I'll let him talk a little bit about it. Yeah, just real quick. That's I kind of talked about it before. It's kind of a general physical preparedness type of program. It is challenging. So this is for, this is not for beginners. There will be some programs for beginners in the near future, but this is for, you know, advanced trainer, trainees who want to work really hard for 12 weeks and get great results. Keep an eye out for that. That will be out, um, he said, probably June 1st. Okay. And then we talked, you know, we have the free guide that that's always there. That's on our website. You, you linked to that last time that that hasn't gone anywhere. We have the monthly coaching, the momentum method coaching that Dan and I do together. And then I, we actually just launched uh, a, a new kind of little product, which I'm really excited about. It's called build momentum one meal at a time. And it's pretty much me. Dan will be, be, be on the call as well, but it's a 30 minute coaching call. And we did this basically kind of just like we were talking about people are really confused and don't understand what what to eat how to eat when to eat and come in us we basically have like this really simple four-step process of being like a little bit of a diet detective where we're looking at your food intake for a few days and evaluating it and giving you a 30-minute coaching call on how to revamp and rework and kind of substitute any anything that needs to be changed in in your diet all right all those services sound great and uh they're accessible to anyone around the world correct yes absolutely yep yep you do not need to be in la we coach people all over the country all right awesome well thank you again for joining me on this podcast and sharing your information all your new services will be posted on the podcast description awesome well thank you so much for having us and listening to us yeah thank you so much this is always fun you're welcome